Hi, I'm Nick Gregoratis, and this is the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Podcast. The show for grapplers and martial artists that want to evolve both on and off the mat. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This week's guest is Christopher Odell from Datsutsara. If you haven't heard of Datsutsara, they make some of the most unique and awesome training gear out there. They've got backpacks and bags and geese made out of hemp and other cool stuff. Definitely some of the most interesting and stylish gear that you can find in the jiu-jitsu world. I highly recommend you check them out. Before we get into the interview with Chris, I just want to remind you guys that as usual, you can get 10% off anything from the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood store by using the coupon code podcast. So if you need a new belt, a new gi, if you need some training materials like some of our books or videos, just head on over to store.jujitsubrother.com. Choose what you want, put in the podcast, the code podcast, and you'll get 10% off anything in the store. Also, my online academy, the Master Academy, which is really growing and got some amazing content on at uh, jujitsumasteracademy.com. If you head on over there and use the coupon code podcast, you'll also get 10% off any of the programs there. So check that out. And without further ado, let's listen to Christopher Odell. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood show. This time I have someone I've been wanting to speak with and connect with properly for a long time. It's Christopher Odell, who runs the awesome brand Datsutsara. I know a lot of my friends and training partners you know, I'll go somewhere and I'll, I'll see someone will have a Datsutsara training bag or a Datsutsara uh, product. And I'll, I'll always just think, oh, I've got to do a podcast with Chris because he and I have been going back and forth on email for years and finally it's happened. So thanks for coming on, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure to finally uh, get to talk to you. Yeah, not in via short text format. <laughs> for sure. So you are in Santa Barbara. You've just moved there. It's like, well, close to Santa Barbara, you said. Yeah, so in, in the little bubble north of Santa Barbara, which is the uh, the San Inez Valley, um, kind of a, a small community, uh, mostly uh, you've got uh, a, pretty much a, a wine country of sorts, which is uh, hurting my liver a bit, but it's very enjoyable. And uh, and then uh, there's also Solvang right next to us, which is this little, um, it's like a little Denmark in America. It's a, wow. a bunch of Danes back in the 1910s. And uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, kind of strange little little place like that so it's a mix between wild west and agriculture and wine country and then you get your little danish town and it's 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 cool but uh yeah my wife's of my wife's of danish descent so i'm gonna have to take her oh yeah you gotta come by it's it's something to be seen and there's there's still a fair amount of the the danes actually still around and stuff so it's uh it's fun there's a danish days in september if you want to get the full dose of yeah that's pretty cool i do you know that there's still towns in north america where they almost exclusively speak german ah yeah you know it's a funny i did not realize this until a few years ago one of my buddies brought it up he said actually the the biggest immigrant population as far as you know descent in america apparently is is german and i went you gotta be kidding me and there's no there's no way it's gotta be irish or something like that and now apparently it was still pretty much german it was the majority of uh of ethnicity and uh uh-huh. backgrounds which really surprised me yeah because you know yeah, i mean i can't even find a german restaurant to save my life these days so it's it's <laughs> i'm surprised but uh I mean, I don't think I've ever eaten in a German restaurant with the exception of when I was in Germany. It's not really something you see very often outside Germany, right? It's rare. It was, I think it was bigger in the 70s. I want to say 70s, maybe the 80s. I remember when I was a kid, there were, there were a few around here. Now there's, there is actually one in 
in the Santa Barbara area that's left over, although they call it the Dutch gardens, but it's really German food. <laughs> and, um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough to find it. I think it was fashionable for just a minute. And then, uh, yeah, it's it just, I don't know, kind of went away. I know, I know where all the little hidden ones are, but it's, yeah, it just uh, didn't take off as a cuisine. I mean, it's a little limited, but hey, I, I enjoy it still. It's been a good stein of beer and some schnitzel and no problem with that. Yeah, for sure, dude. Schnitzel's great. Um, so, dude, you, as you said, you've just moved, you've just returned there because that's where you grew up, right? Yeah, and, and I, I'm, I'm an only child too, and I, my daughter would be, would be also be my mother's only grandkid, so uh, and she's still over living in Santa Barbara, so we wanted to be a little bit close to her. I also got a bit tired of the, um, we were most recently living in Portland, and I thought I could hang with the rain after growing up in California my whole life. I thought, oh, this will be nice, a good switch. And and it wasn't even so much the rain, but just the general cold. And the thing was is that six, sometimes six months out of the year, the weather's pretty miserable. And you don't really want to go outside. You don't really want to open up a window. It's And I really, I, I like fresh air. I like sunshine apparently more than I realized. And I mm-hmm. I like being outside or, or yeah, at least being able to, to go out when I feel like it and, you know, walk the dogs or just eat outdoors, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I really, really miss that. And I just realized I'm in a much better mood. Um, all vitamin D levels aside, which mine were fine in Portland because I was supplementing, but that didn't matter. I was still depressed as hell <laughs> six months of the year, you know, trying to just deal with these gray, cold days. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and I looked around and I looked at my family one day and I went, oh my God, we're all sitting on our, you know, devices or playing, you know, on computers or whatever. And it just, it didn't, it didn't seem healthy. I just went, no, this is, this is playing up to all of our worst tendencies. So, uh, yeah, I figured, uh, let's, let's not do that. So, yeah, I came yeah, back. Yeah, I get you. Community. I, I mean, you're, you're speaking, it's, it's the truth if I'm speaking to myself because I, I found, I lived in London for a long time and Look, London was good to me, made a lot of good connections and I, I had a, a bunch of fun, amazing experiences and, and I would have stayed. But in the end, I just could not take that weather anymore. I just, this is just what you said. I was indoors all the time, not because I, I wanted to be indoors, but just because outside was so fucking miserable. Yeah. Even, even in, even in spring, like April up until end of April, it's, it's miserable. You just don't want to go outside because it's, it's just cold and dark and it's just yeah, not cold, pleasant. Damp is tough to live in. <laughs> oh, dude, that's not for me. Some people can take it. I'm not one of those. You know, yeah. um, I, I'm just reminded of, of when, it's, when speaking to you and hearing how you're, you're living there in California, I'm reminded of uh, something that I always experience on every trip I take to that part of the world. I don't know what it is, but there's something in the air in mm. California. There is some kind of a magic or an energy or a, it's built on, or it's on some sort of geometric earth ley line or whatever it is. <laughs> you just feel, you feel different when you then I've spoken to other people who kind of have experienced the same. Do you have any idea what that might be, Chris? That's a good question. And, and if you asked me that when I was, you know, 20 years ago, taking a ton of acid and wandering around on the beach, I probably could have answered better, but, uh, or, or perhaps would have been more skewed. I don't know, because yeah, we, we, we always theorized about that too. And sometimes really did think, God, is there some sort of weird, you know, yeah, energetic pathway here that just makes, you know, that just, that just does this. And I have no idea. I don't know if it's just a human tendency to really enjoy the Mediterranean climate or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, just some mix of everything going on. I mean, I, there's a lot of things that I don't like about the state. I mean, just mostly in the overcrowding and the, and the, and I don't 
personally care for the, the way the government runs here at all. It drives me up a wall, but I, mm-hmm. I can't abandon it. I just can't. I tried. I tried to say, all right, no, but I, I just, there's something that brings me back. And especially, I don't know, my area here, I feel very connected to. And, and uh, yeah, kind of, I, I tried to fight it for a while. <laughs> then I came back just for a couple of visits and I went, oh no, maybe mom and dad had it right. This was a good spot. And, <laughs> and it just, something's in my heart here. And it, um, there is something pretty magical and amazing about it when you can yeah. you know, get past all the nonsense and just sort of take it in. There's, there's something special and, yeah, what it is, I, I don't know, but uh, I'm just embracing it, going to do all I can to afford to continue to live in it because it sure as hell isn't cheap out here. But that's yeah, the reason. it's an expensive place to live. I mean, there's a, look, there's a reason America has loads of problems, right? I think, I think and I think yeah. the, where I'm going with this is, is California is almost like a, it's, it's an amplification of the best and the worst of everything that America has to offer. And America has a lot of problems, but it also has a lot right with it. And, and uh, by extension, California has a lot more problems, but it also has a lot more right with it. And uh, even though some people would argue that, that the state's best days or the golden age of California, which was in the people claim was in the probably 50s through 60s and 70s, that's mm-hmm. passed. It's still, <laughs> it set the bar so high that even if it fell down a couple of places, it's still way higher than... 90, 90% of the other states and countries in the world, right? I'd say so. I mean, especially as far as just, yeah, just the land and everything you can get by being here. I mean, all, all yeah, government and nonsense aside, it, it's, it's just, there's a reason why people still just love being here. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's hard to, you just can't really, you can't uh, detract from that. It's just very hard to argue with it, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's a hostile place for to run a business. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons why it's, it, it can be difficult, but, and there's a lot of great things happening and there's yeah, still people want to come here and it's, and I can't think of any, especially in my little particular bubble here, I just can't think of anywhere I'd rather be on the planet. I mean, there's maybe some little Mediterranean villages or on an Island or something, but, <laughs> but even then I can't, it, it's still, it's just not the same. So, yeah, sure. yeah, I, That's cool. I I dig it quite a bit. Yeah. That's cool. So, Chris, I wanted to know uh, a little bit about the ethos uh, behind Datsitsar because I think you've, you've got quite an interesting. Uh, so, when, whenever you, someone sends you an email, they get an automated reply saying, uh, "Just to let you know, I'm not checking my emails for X Y Z period of time." Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is more in line with the Datsitsar way or something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically sure. what this automated response said. So I wanted to know a little bit more about that, that ethos and what, what the Datsitsar way is and what that means to you. Mm, so <laughs> it's a tough one because in some ways I feel like picking that name for the company, it's like, it's like I got a tattoo 12 years ago or something. And now I, I, I'm, you know, little bits of it. I go, well, does that quite align the same? I mean, when it comes down to it, I you get you have the literal interpretation, which is a Japanese phrase meaning to escape the salary worker's life, which which also sort of implies if you're coming from that cultural standpoint of just not succumbing to oh I'm just going to work myself to death at a job that I don't care about simply because that's you know what I must do, um, and they have a real problem with that in Japan. Um, and so that was just an example of it. So to me, it was kind of like, okay, don't just go take the corporate path or whatever because you think that's what's right and, and you know, do some meaning, meaningless job putting out widgets that are, you know, killing the planet or something and, and not making any, really helping anyone. Um, and and I, still, I still love that part of it, but I don't 
it isn't intended to be sort of a, uh, you know, just go be lazy or oh, fuck the man. Like everything's terrible in our system. Let's just reject all of that. It's really not about that. It's to me, it was always more about just spending time doing the things in your life that, that matter to you, you know, follow, find your purpose, follow that. Um, and, and I think that is really important for people. And there's a lot of people sure, sure. very unfulfilled in their lives yeah, and they're, they're doing things. They look back and they go, Oh God, my, you know, did that really, did that help anything? Was it good that I did that other than just paying, you know, paid my bills. And there's something to be said for that. I mean, if you can't, you need money, you got to survive. So, but once you get past that basic survival level, I think it's great to try to, figure out what you can do that's truly useful that that you know that makes lets you sleep at the end of the day and, and something that you enjoy and, and hopefully something that really energizes you and 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 you know has a positive impact on the world so that's that's what's important and, I, and, and a lot of that for me is not being stuck on uh, a computer too often although it's really hard to avoid in any business these days that's still when I do have to work, it's usually, it means I have to sit down at the computer and answer emails and things. But, but yeah, I've got that autoresponder on there to kind of remind people that I'm not, you know, I'm trying to do as little as possible to be efficient, batch it, and, you know, and then get out of there and get back to life. Um, hmm. Yeah, so. That's interesting. I've, oh, there's so much you've just said that resonates with me. Uh, the first is I had no idea that that's what Datsutsara stood for, the, the, <laughs> attempt, the attempt to escape the salary, salaried worker's life. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, right. That's, that's fantastic. I'm actually starting a, a new project where I'm going to be mentoring a select group of people uh, and teaching them just how to do that, how to find, it's going to be speci uh, men specifically who, you know, they followed society's uh, suggestions. They listened to their mom and dad or they listened to their guidance counselor and they worked hard and they got the nine to five job and they now find them, or they, they went to college and studied hard and then got the job and they, they now find themselves uh, just dissatisfied and frustrated and I'm going to be showing them the pathway out of that. So, Good. uh, it's a pity that that's a tower has been taken because that is literally the, the perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad you, you enlightened me on that. It's one of the things I, I've, I'm fascinated with. Um, I heard an expression many years ago, which is that, uh, the limits of your language define the limits of your reality. And, you know, it's it's tied into another concept, which is that uh, if we if we look at our our brains as analogous to computers, which again that is still a very limiting uh, analogy, but it is probably one of the best ones we've got. Um, if your your brain is the hardware, then the language you speak is the software that that hardware uses to to run. Mm -hmm. And just thinking of the fact that there are languages that have words for concepts and things that we that that english doesn't just leaves me it just excites me that possibility of, of you know if i can learn more words if i can increase my vocabulary if i can know what things like that's it's i mean i literally expand the def, uh, the scope of my reality mm. um that's just very exciting to me that's true and you haven't even uh, start getting into some of those german words that can get really intense they have some very <laughs> very yeah. descriptive specific emotion words you go god damn okay that's <laughs> For sure. Uh, so, were you were you ever one of the um, the salaried workers, uh, or one of these people dissatisfied with, with uh, where they find them where they found themselves in life? Yes, the latter for sure. I mean, I, I I've I've worked office jobs, although even at that, I I found ways to sort of batch my work, get it done quick, and then go slack off, which generally got me fired. Um, but <laughs> even though I was doing my job, nobody likes that. They're like, go pretend like you're working. But um, uh, so. I, 
a bit, but when, when I came up with this one, I actually was working still for myself. Um, I was doing a video productions company, but I, it went, although I used to enjoy doing that kind of work, it, it got to the point where I just wanted to, you know, slam my head against the desk every time I had to do it after a while. And it, and it, I'd like to say it wasn't so much me just being bratty about not wanting to do work. I'm sure that's some element of, gee, I'd rather be off, you know, doing whatever else, you know, but, but it was also really just, I, I it just wasn't fulfilling. There was something about it where I went, God, this is just meaningless toy. At least the things that I was working on, most of it, I'd say maybe 10% of it was something that was, that was useful or meaningful. The rest of it was just, man, I've got to, I've got to pay the rent. And I was just, oh man, doing some really just garbage stuff that was driving me. <laughs> and it just, and it was more too. It was just, I mean, it was physically killing me. I, I was sitting there at a desk editing, mostly editing for, you know, many hours a day and my back was starting to give out and I was getting fat and it was just, uh, it was not, I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't sleeping well and everything was just bad. I was actually starting to get really, um, really bad anxiety attacks after a while too. And I don't know how much of that was related to my career path, but I will say that oddly enough, even though exercise helped them quite a bit, and that's how I got into mixed martial arts, um, what really seemed to subside them <clears throat> and more permanently over time was when I started to, when I started Datsusara and started to transition over to doing that being my new path and being my, you know, my new uh, support structure, it mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, I physically got better and stopped having anxiety attacks and everything else. So I don't know, could have been coincidental, mm-hmm. but I think it was definitely my, you know, every fiber of my being was saying, no, this is the wrong direction. This is not good. Do something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's, you know, your spirit will, you can't, you can't lie to your spirit and you can't hide what it's feeling. You can try to shove it under the rug, but it's going to manifest in some other way. You know, if you're doing something that your soul is, your oversoul, your higher self is screaming out like, this is not your path. This is not your path. You can ignore that for a while and pretend it's not there, but sooner or later it will come to the surface. And it usually comes to the surface with pretty negative consequences. I mean, there's so many things about what you just said that again, resonate with me. Um, I mean, I guess my first question, and this is something that uh, it's not even a question. It's, it's, I'm just interested in your opinion. Mm-hmm. Some people would argue that, uh, the idea that you have the right to be fulfilled and in your work and do what you enjoy is, uh, just a bourgeoisie conceit. Mm-hmm. And that, that itself is a cause for a lot of the pain and suffering of the modern man, or at least the, 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 the person in the industrialized world who actually has those options. And what are your thoughts on that? I, I have been thinking about that quite a bit lately and I'm it you know who made me think about it a lot as I was listening to I think it's uh Mike Rowe um the guy who does uh dirty dirty jobs or whatever there was a tv show but he was on well I, I saw him interviewed on the Ben Shapiro show but I think he, I want to say he's been on Joe's podcast too um mm-hmm. but you know he, he much very much comes from the hey like go go find something that needs to be done go do it and put your heart into it and and you know that will you will turn that into your purpose kind of thing versus you know, worrying about following your bliss or whatever. And he would kind of poo poo on, on this method of things. And I, I get where he's coming from too with that. I mean, I think you, but, but I also don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. I mean, I think you can, you can approach it from one of a couple of angles, but either way you have to find a purpose that feels meaningful and good. And whether or not you do that from, 
maybe it, maybe you can get some people can do it maybe through a sense of duty and just going all right i'm gonna figure out oh somebody needs to have their toilets clean great i'm gonna get into that and do it and i mean yeah. maybe you can hit it from that way and that's that's fine i think for some people they need to do that and there's other people who i think need to really just tune into themselves and kind of either create what they want to do um or or really, yeah, go go seek it out and from a different manner. I mean, I think it, it eventually you get down to the same thing, but yeah, but yeah, for me, it just that wasn't my path. I wasn't able to do it through the you know sit down and hard work. So yeah, perhaps it is a more spoiled outlook. But you know, at the same time, like I said, if, yeah, if you're trying to pay bills, you have a different set of priorities. But at yeah. some point, when you you've got your basic needs taken care of, most people tend to then. Um, start looking at what's really more meaningful and purposeful and how can they help, you know, the world more. So, yeah, I'm going to tie this into something I find mm-hmm. fascinating. I just, I just put two things together. Right. So, you know, the, the paleo diet, right. The, mm-hmm. sure. the paleo diet, the premise is that uh, paleolithic man only had access to certain types of food. And that was why he uh, ate in a, or he, he was forced to eat in a certain way. And that meant he would, he didn't have any of the modern, um, illnesses, which are a result of our, our dietary, um, right. Uh, choices and our lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, over the lifestyle of the modern man, yes. you know, and I, I used to follow the paleothic way of eating for a long time, for a long, long time. And, uh, the, the, the thing that stopped me, the thing that allowed me to supersede that because mm-hmm. I was that guy who was telling everyone, Oh, cavemen didn't eat this and cavemen didn't eat that. And the cavemen would have done this. One day it just hit me. It just hit me fucking like a bolt of lightning from on high, which is that I am not a caveman and, <laughs> and I'm not living, I'm not living in a world in which we are struggling for food and struggling to survive. I'm living in a world in which we have many different options. And if I want to go get a Korean pear, which I just bought a Trader Joe's yesterday, uh, or I want to get grass finished beef or whatever it is I want, to eat mm-hmm. those things are there and it doesn't mean I need to gorge myself on them but those options are i'm lucky i'm privileged enough to be able to to live in this society that has, has created this surplus and this abundance uh, and i think it's the same with work we don't like by virtue of the fact that we live in the united states or for most of the people listening to it, they live in a developed country or at least a country that has access to to resources and that isn't a, a war-torn failed state we do have the bourgeoisie conceit of being able to choose to do certain things that we enjoy, especially if we choose to do those things exceptionally well. We don't have to be street sweepers. We don't have to go and work in a gulag in Siberia. Right. Like, like with this <laughs> creation or uh, this crazy simulation that we're in has led us to this point where we do have these opportunities. And mm-hmm. if others have, have taken advantage of them, why, why shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I would think all of our forefathers that worked so hard to, you know, get us to here wouldn't fault us too much for, for actually saying, Hey, well, you gave us this, you know, this ability, let's, let's go ahead and and maybe, and maybe use that. And it it may not be for everybody. And I I think the one thing too, that people tend to also mistake with it or or that, you know, a, a, a miss, a poor behavior of sometimes that comes from this is when people just get really snotty and, and entitled and bratty about it and when they do have to go work maybe a regular job just to pay the bills that they do a shitty mm-hmm. job at it and they're really you know they're, they're pricks about it the whole time and oh, i deserve better it's not about that it's i mean you can whatever job you do i think you should do your best at it and make sure that you're trying to improve things that's always important no matter what 100%. 
Yeah, but it's but it doesn't mean that you should yeah just trap yourself by some sense of society's pressure on you to to do something that you don't want to do just because that then there's no to me there's no honor badge and just saying well I, I suffered I suffered really you know well without without a purpose suffering with a purpose great suffering without a purpose not so good so um, yeah so I mean you, you can certainly get it have problems either way suffering without a purpose or suffering because you're straining too hard to you know find find meaning when you should just maybe go find it in whatever's around For or sure. available and, and work from there but but yeah either way like it's, it's it's a good point you have there though that yeah it's you know we have to take in what where we're at and what's really going on and, yeah but you balanced it you balance it with a good counterpoint and and it's tied into something that I keep experiencing in life over and over again. It shows it to me over and over again, which is when you, when you abstract things to, to the highest level or at the highest levels of, of abstraction or the highest levels of, of inquiry, you will always find an inherent paradox. And, and that is one of them, which is that, uh, that the, the hard work as a hard work and enjoyment, that's the paradox. Like you, you don't want to work too hard and suffer and be, you know, like there's a lot of people streeting, sweeping the streets who are working really hard and suffering and they're not making anything of their lives. But at the, at the same time, you can't go all the way to the other side, to the other extreme and be like, I'm just going to sit on my ass and do nothing and expect everything to come to me and I'm going to have the perfect, easiest career in the world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's both of those. You have to kind of, both of those, it's, it's the paradox. You have to have the light and the dark. Uh, you get where I'm, I'm not really describing yeah. this very well, no, but you no. understand what I mean. I agree. And and then of course you've always got the the anomalies too of people who are are somehow have found enlightenment even through whatever they're doing. There yeah, there may be the street sweeper who's who's perfectly content with that and and, and you know knows they're doing a good thing and is is happy with that salary or whatever mm-hmm. and but is doing their best to be the best sweet sweeper they can be and not be disgruntled and resentful about it. And that's that's a beautiful thing too. I'm glad there's people that can do that, but whatever whatever anyone's doing, I hope they find, you know, some level of, yeah, fulfillment and purpose in it. Otherwise sure. do something else. Cause I, I don't like dealing with people who are pissed off doing their jobs either. I don't want them to have to do that. That's no fun for anybody. So. For sure. I, I'm always uh, both amazed and, and uh, motivated when I see people who have for one of a, a better word, pretty menial jobs, um, who are just the happiest, most outgoing, most excited about life. It just blows yeah. my mind. Like there'll be someone who, I don't know, is cleaning your hotel room and they'll come in and you'll say good morning and they'll be like, good morning, how you doing? It's a wonderful day. And I'm just like, wow, this is a great attitude. And this is why if I owned this hotel, you know, you'd be first in line for promotion. Whereas yeah. yep. the, the people who just show up and like punch the clock and, look at you with a surly face. Like there's a reason that they are going to probably be stuck in the job forever. Mm-hmm. Not, as you said, they're not, um, there's, there's a, an expression or a, an idea that I'm quite fond of, which is that the universe will only give you more once you've shown or demonstrated that you are capable of handling the responsibility of what you currently have. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's usually in relation to money. Like you're not going to make more money if you, you keep pissing away the little that you get. So you're mm-hmm. never going to, next level but i think it's the same way with everything if you want more happiness you need to be grateful for the happiness that you've been given or if you want uh more skill with something or more uh, another gift when it comes to a certain ability you need to take the the abilities you already have and show that you you've used them wisely um 
Yeah, hopefully this. Oh, I just wish there was a Japanese word for that. Uh, there, there probably is. I just don't know. <laughs> I think they have a word even for people that literally work themselves to death. So they, they have all kinds of fun little words. I mean, I, I, I wish they were. Is, is the word, yeah, death from overwork. If oh, yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, so um, when, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this so, are, uh, might have an idea or a dream to start something or like a, a cool brand like that's a or uh, maybe get away from the, the desk as you, you have. Uh, and what was, what was the most difficult thing about going out on your own and, and doing that? What was, what has been the biggest challenge? Hmm. That's a, you know, for, well, I'd say for a lot of people, wasn't for me, a lot of people, the biggest challenge would have been the, the financial risk. For me, I was used to being sort of an entrepreneur and living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, job to job. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a tough transition because I went, oh, this is just as unstable as everything else I've ever done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that made it easier. Yeah. Um, so really for me, I think it was, hmm, man, what would have been, I, I think it was just figuring out how to how to make products, um, how to do all these things? Because I, I mean, I didn't have any background in manufacturing. I didn't. I knew enough about websites to just do some basic coding, but I didn't really know how to do an online store necessarily. And I wasn't using a a template system back then um, mm-hmm. the way that I have now, like a you know an e-commerce thing like Shopify. Um, so there was, I mean, there was a lot of stuff to learn, and and I mean, my biggest challenges now are always in dealing with manufacturing because that's that's always tough you can have the greatest plans and then trying to get them done you know correctly implemented is very difficult um so there's that um and i think for me though the other big challenge has always been marketing um and and luckily i picked a product that kind of markets itself to an extent and i, and I make it as high i do it as high quality as i can i have the best customer service we that i can which helps me kind of get around that that marketing necessity because I don't have to talk people into things as much, but, um, mm-hmm. but I do, that, that is definitely where I'm weak and where, um, where it's a challenge for me is how do you, how do you get the word out? Cause I mean, you have to, if you, people don't know about you and, and they don't care about your product, then obviously you're not going to be able to make it. And mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, I mean, part of it, it really did help that I had a unique product and, and still sort of do at least in the hemp bags. Um, very few people doing those uh, the way we're doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I hate advertising. I hate, I really do. It drives me absolutely crazy. I don't want to be a part of it, but I know at some point I've got to do it more or at least sponsor mm-hmm. more podcasts or something because, you know, eventually your business will, will slow down or die or never get started in the first place if people don't know about you and you can't go out there and get out the word in some manner. So, um, so true. Yeah, that's, that's great been, advice. Big challenge. That's, that's great advice. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm, uh, quite fond of the idea of what's it's been termed a product, a productocracy, which is where your products are so good. They speak for themselves um, as opposed to having to try to convince people through marketing. However, it's been my experience. You can have the best products in the world, but if no one knows they're there, they're not going to sell. So it's the paradox, right? Um, Yeah. Or they'll just be very, you get limited to a really small group. Like for us right now, I mean, it's, it's mostly the jujitsu scene, um, you know, that's a, most of our market. And while I never want to abandon that core, because that's kind of where I started with some mixed martial arts and jujitsu in particular, um, I would never want to abandon that. I also don't, I never want to be limited to being just a fight gear company because I feel mm-hmm. like there's so much more it's bigger than that. But, but man, is it hard to figure out how do you 
you know, go from this little, you know, the solid group that supports you well to try and get out the word to a bigger, a bigger audience and not alienate the original people. And so that's, that's, uh, so yeah, true. That's so, yeah. Chris, my brother, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, very well-spoken and intelligent man. And it's just always enjoyable. Um, when I'm able to relate ideas to people, understand them in the way you did. Uh, my man, if people want to find out more about the, the brand we've been discussing, that's it, Sarah. Where should they go to check it out? Hey, just go to a dsgear.com. Uh, it's probably the easiest way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then we've got, you know, we've got our Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram and all that fun stuff too. That's I cool. For some reason, Instagram plays really well. It seems like that's the, the spot these days, but um, <laughs> but you yeah. can find us. All the links are up there on the website. So, yep. Awesome. And for anyone listening, I can highly recommend Chris's stuff. Some of the best best training bags I think I've ever seen. Go check them out for sure. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Cool. Thanks again, Chris. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Nick. Hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Wow. It's clear that Chris is a very intelligent man. You know, he's one of these people that I've had in my network for several years now, and we've gone back and forth on email and, and text chat, but we've never actually had a proper conversation. So um, it was a, a really pleasant surprise for me to, to chat with him and, and uh, you know, be intellectually stimulated and realize that he's a very self-actualized, humble, friendly, and just generally cool dude. So... I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. I hope you guys did too. I also want to uh, reiterate that you should go check out his site, dsgear.com. He makes these awesome bags out of hemp, and they're just very stylish and understated and, and just cool. I, I highly recommend you check them out if you're looking for a new jiu-jitsu training bag. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll be back with you soon for another interesting podcast. Peace out.